Fuck you, it's 2020. <laughs> Did you have a plan? Well, fuck well, you. get rid of that plan. Get ready to rewrite that plan. Throw that plan away. That plan is on fire right now. <laughs> Depending on what month it is in 2020. So, hi, welcome to Behind the Hype with me, your host, host Brian Joss. with me, as always, is Chewy Darso. Hello. And Jonathan Hardesty. Fire! Hi. Fire! Uh, we are celebrating our final week of Hugo Weaving Month. I've had a lot of fun with Hugo Weaving Month. We, we've watched some movies that I didn't really yeah. expect to watch. Uh, some were good, yeah. some were not as good. But he's been good in all of them, so it's been yeah. fun. Um, and we had to finish things up with the uh, the ever-popular movie that, for some reason, I just never fucking saw. And I'm really glad I did. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, finally. Yeah, finally Watched saw it. it. I mean, I've seen this thing in uh, – I have a friend who's taken me to two karaoke bars where it's not like a karaoke bar where one person gets up and sings. It's a karaoke bar where they put on a movie, and there's a musical number in the movie, and everyone in the bar screams along every single word. And this movie played at both of them, particularly the scene <laughs> with um, – I don't remember what song's playing now. But it's when uh, Hugo Weaving's driving the bus and uh, – that doesn't really narrow it down. Hugh Reeves is driving the bus and yeah. uh, everyone else is dancing behind him. But there's like one that goes on for a little while, like two thirds of the way into the movie. There's a couple times they do that. Though. Yeah, but that, there, there's one that scene has popped up numerous times. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fun. Uh, before we get too far into it, I, I have a Where Have They Been Doing. John, do you have one this week? Uh, no, unfortunately not. We, uh, we ended up not seeing a Hugo Weaving movie, but uh, we did see an Eve Stewart movie, so we had to throw that back in there. Uh, Eve Stewart, famed production designer, spent a month mm-hmm. on. Please go back and check it out. Her movies uh, were a ton of fun to watch, and this one was no different. We watched Muppets Most Wanted. Oh, really? We've <laughs> watched quite a few times, but never paid attention to the fact that she worked on it. Yeah, never. Like This was the first time where like we are, we watched like a movie night with our, uh, our, with our son, and the credits start, and they're the credits at the end of Muppets Most Wanted is like a fireworks show, and it just there's a big fireworks, and it says production designer Eve Stewart. It's like, oh shit, how about that? <laughs> I would say she didn't get to flex those muscles quite as hard as she likes to do in some of the movies that we watched with her, but the production line was still good. It still feels like a Muppet movie through and through, which was my biggest complaint with the Jason Siegel one. Is it felt yeah. like a Jason Siegel movie, not a Muppet movie? And Muppets Most Wanted feels like a Muppet movie. Like she did it. She did a good job. It was a lot of fun. Very good job. And I just love The Muppets Most Wanted. It's just such a dorky movie, but it's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's dorky in the way that the Muppets are dorky, which is if you don't like that type of dorky, you probably don't get along. Yeah, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I have one good friend who doesn't like The Muppets, and I'm giving her a pass. Everyone else, I've, I have my quota of non-Muppet-loving non, non Muppet loving people. Uh, let's get started. So Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, this was uh, your pick. You ready it for pick. You ready for a quick breakdown? Very quick, as trim as possible. All right, we got some drag queens performing. Uh, They look a little unhappy. One of them gets a phone call. You don't know what it's about. Then cut to, I got a job at a hotel. So you guys want to come with? Sure, we have some reservations. We don't really like each other, but we'll go. All right, 
on the road trip. Going, going, going. Oh, our thing breaks down. Oh, it turns out the person we're going to go meet is your wife. Not your ex-wife. Still wife. Do you have any other secrets to tell me? Nah. Oh, I have a kid. Well, that comes later. <laughs> uh, uh, run into Bob. Bob's a pretty cool dude. Bob's got a crazy wife. Bob loses his wife, goes, I guess I'll come with you guys. Uh, and then they travel through the outback some more, go through a shady town where it's like, you shouldn't stop there. Uh, then they get to the hotel, uh, meet the wife, meet the son, and happy ending? Yeah, everything just kind of works out fine. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of like my biggest thing with this movie, and not like a complaint, but since I knew virtually nothing about it, and then the, the few musical numbers that I mentioned earlier, and like just the general cast and the concept of the movie, like I knew it was about drag queens on the road. I did not know it was drag queens and trans women until I started looking it up earlier the day that we watched it. Like I just thought it was three drag queens. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew really nothing about it, but I just kind of assumed like this thing came out mid 90s. It wasn't, you know, it was getting more and more acceptable to be gay in the 90s, which was great, but it still wasn't, you know, where it is now, which is still not perfect, but, you know, better than it was then. Mm -hmm. So I expected the movie to be a little bit more depressing. Like I thought there'd be more like uh, left turns into Sad Town, and it kind of <laughs> dipped its toter, toes in the water every now and then, but not really. It never goes like full that way. Like it tries yeah. to. No matter how much things can suck from time to time, uh, like Terrence Stamps plays a trans woman and her wife uh, or her husband dies. And trumpet. It's, trumpet dies. And it's not like, it sucks. I lost my husband. But it's more so I just wanted a husband. Yeah. Are you sad that he died? I'm more so sad that I'm alone than I am that he died. Yeah, she, called, she said she finally found a sympathetic husband and then he goes and gets himself killed. Yeah, like so it wasn't... It's very sad that she's alone, but it's not, like, the as sad as it could have been. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, like, the whole movie. is like, oh, this is a really upsetting scene. But I feel like it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I read the synopsis briefly before watching the movie, and I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be, like, like kind of like last week, how I was in downer mode. I was like, this is going to be some heavy stuff. Like, the title's just no. going to be a complete bait and switch. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Depression, right? <laughs> but, no, <laughs> by the end of the movie, I was like, Huh. This was happy. It's, yeah. It's a Despite, like, things can be bad, but keep your chin up, hun. Yeah, it, it yeah. just kind of it, it really tells you, you know, just kind of like let the bullshit bounce off you. You'll be okay. Yeah. And be with people that that you love and who love you. And we decide that even though he's been an absent father for the first 8 years of his son's life, way better dad than still Kev. Still better dad <laughs> than Kev. <laughs> Last ride. Right, when that reveal hit cuz I I figured out the I figured the reveal was going to be something like I don't know, something mob related or something really weird and out there. And I was like, "No, I've got a kid." And I'm like, "Well, you're right now a better dad than Kev. <laughs> <laughs> Already a better dad than Kev. Already." <laughs> See, was I you're driving, who... you'll get him, and you're driving back with him, and it's gonna be good, and you're all happy. And <laughs> was I the only person who guessed it was a kid right from the very first hospital scene, like when the doctor kicked open the door and uh, Hugo Weaving standing there in his chandelier dress, and I'm like, oh, he's got a kid. I had an inkling that it was going to be a kid, but I also was wondering whether or not he actually had a booking, whether or not he just wanted company to go get his kid, or. I didn't think that they oh, actually... Oh, so you thought there could have been a kid, but it might have been a lie just to get him there. <laughs> just to get his friends to go with so that was, they had a job. 
So, different sort of bummer ending, but still bummer ending. It was, yeah, bummer ending. <laughs> hey, we don't actually have a job. I just wanted, you know, support while I get my son I've never met before, emotional support, and I didn't think you guys would give it to me willingly. I thought that's what it was going to be. Nope, didn't go that way either. <laughs> they, uh, no, the, the kid thing came out of the complete left field. I, I should have seen it. Yeah. I should have even had an inkling. Even when the hospital flashback happened, I was like, oh, he's in a hospital wearing a really awesome outfit. <laughs> that's a funny cutaway for no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> I just, you got me. I'm feeling pretty good about my, just like the second I saw a hospital, I'm like, oh, baby. Right. Oh, when are they going to mention the baby? The baby's coming, right? To be fair, that outfit was great. So I was very distracted by that. Oh, that's a total fair fair point. If you're distracted by the chandelier dress, I get it. I'm still trying to... I haven't looked it up. Because I wanted to see if I could come to it on my own. Maybe I'll look it up after this. Be like, what's the significance of it being a chandelier dress? I feel like there has to be like something about how he's very fragile in that moment. or Sure something i don't know i'm sure there could be a lot of reasons behind it like i doubt they just went ah chandelier dress let's yeah. put a lot of time and effort into <laughs> making this gorgeous chandelier dress for a one-off like, like for just like a... no i really feel like it had some sort of significance to sure. that memory yeah i get that. that that definitely makes sense but that's kind of like the as we'll start moving through the movie before we just you know spend time talking about the actors and whatnot, I think the the biggest takeaway I had and the biggest surprise was beyond you know the lack of I don't want to say the lack of um, conflict more so as like I, I it's a tough way to phrase it. It's not like there's no conflict or no consequence because those both definitely happen. Whenever they let their guard, the few times they let their guards down in the town, it usually blows back on their face in a very negative way. Like, so they are constantly reinforced. You know, like, these people don't and have no interest in un- in understanding you or even attempting to understand you. So, like, there is that sort of pushback. But at the same time, like, it, it because the movie just kind of hits it and then moves away so quickly because that's what they've learned to do throughout their lives, it, it doesn't it doesn't have that resonating, like, it doesn't hit you quite as hard as it does in some other films or some other stories. Yeah, all the conflicts resolve really quickly. Um, even if there's some lingering emotional uh, stuff to work through, they just, yeah, pick up, move on. And I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. I would imagine it's supposed to be reminiscent of what it's like to be a gay drag queen or whatnot because they're always being presented with these conflicts and it really is about being a drag queen. You need to be positive. Yeah. You need to be willing to put yourself out there and just know you're going to get some people throwing tomatoes in your face or beer bottles and just being willing to keep singing through it. Yeah. Right. You're going to lose out to ping pong balls and yet still you have to like be out there. <laughs> oh, the ping pong balls. <laughs> oh, Felicia just starting to laugh hysterically. <laughs> She is an do agent a, of chaos in this movie. If we ever do a whole month on Guy Pierce, this movie might come back around. <laughs> yeah. He's the, Felicia's the only character in this movie, like I mentioned to Brian before, which doesn't matter to you guys because you're listening to this now. Uh, <laughs> her character doesn't really have an arc. No, I was going to say that for a little bit later, but if it, it came up, it came up. Let's actually talk about that because I, I agree with you. And it, it, it like is, I keep saying these things are like, this is just a thing I'm mentioning. It's not necessarily a complaint. The Felicia one's my only, I think, legit complaint about the film. Yeah. Like, the lack of conflict, consequence, 
annoys me, but at the same time, I think it's motivated by the characters and story. The Felicia not growing kind of annoys me. Because if it, if her growth was supposed to be her having a relationship with Bernie, it doesn't, it fell a little flat for me. Because I thought the relationship, the arc was going to be him becoming a more sympathetic person. Yeah, just then, learning through, like, Bernadette's characters and Bernadette's yeah. struggles that, like, oh, maybe you just shouldn't be a total dick to everyone. But then the last thing he does is dead name Bernadette yeah. at the end of the movie. As a joke. Yeah. So it's just like, you didn't grow. Yeah. If that joke wasn't there, I think you we probably could have made the leap in our head. And I guess you still can because they, they don't really ever make amends, but they do kind of become more friendly and maybe a little yeah. bit more understanding. And it's just one of those, like, yeah, Felicia's my friend who is a complete and utter asshole. Like, a lot of us have those friends. Yeah, but if the last moment you're going to see that person, they touch on the one thing that you wish they would never do again, and they do it in a way that they know you cannot react back to them, it's so underhanded and mean. That it's like whatever respect or relationship you had grown is suddenly, in my eyes, destroyed. Yeah, it, it kind of takes whatever growth there could have been throughout the movie and just kind of throws her back to the beginning of the film where she's just that asshole in the yeah. And it's like, well... It's disappointing. Yeah, it's a disappointing joke. And it's just not a solid way to end the film. And I, I so I, I kind of like try to do some research and feel it out. And like from what I can understand, like the whole dead naming thing, although still ferocious faux pas in the early 90s is not the faux pas that it is now like as transgender people became more accepted this became more of a worse thing to do which is like good in a way um but that still doesn't make it okay that it's a repeated joke throughout the film like i can see why people take issue with that yeah i get it i don't think they're wrong it's a it's a it's a rough hit yeah yeah especially since that's yeah the last the last part that's the last thing and you see uh felicia more at the end than you do bernadette like yeah bernadette leaves and then you still get felicia and it's kind of a bummer right and and it's not like bernadette is sitting there on like a like a impenetrable tower of like self-confidence at this moment she's she's taking a huge risk she's taking a huge risk with a man she just met and a man whose friends are hateful bigots and not just the they don't really even clarify the relationship with bob yeah she's staying in it she probably never really lived outside sydney right now she's staying at a hotel that she's going to manage while the other girl's on holiday kind of yeah this she's is what I got. going completely off script for her life like it's gonna be a rough situation. So the last way that you you say goodbye is with the one thing she does not want to be called. It's like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> right. Especially since I mentioned earlier in the movie that like uh, they miss the safety of the city. That there's a certain safety in the big city, the urban area where they lived before. Like called liberals. There was safety there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah safety like, in numbers of liberals. <laughs> right. Right. So then she's doesn't have that even so it it's such a weird yeah it's such a weird way to end it and i just felt my my nose like painfully wrinkled through the end credits like the whole time i was just like oh what i get that time changes things but 
that's kind of a weird one. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind it's of a, a sticking point. It's a sour note at the end of a very, very wonderful song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's how you chose to end it? But then the movie actually ends with Mitzi's main character being very happy. Oh, yeah. But Mitzi's ending with her son, I really enjoy. Like, I, I like... For, like, my complaints earlier about, like, the lack of consequence or uh, uh, conflict, I appreciate that not being with the sun. Because like, I think the the severe, like, vacuum of it is so unexpected for Mitzi's character that it gives Hugo Weaving a lot to do. Yeah. Because like, Hugo Weaving walks into the scenes with the sun, like, trying to be like a... Like a man's man, you know, like, ah, that's not all I do, you know, dress up and make him and stuff, you know, you, you, you know, you don't have to do stuff like that. Trying to be tick. I'm I'm tick. Mm. Like, like, you can just see right through it, too, like a fucking screen door, like, you're a drag queen, we see you in there. (laughs) The central conflict of the movie is Tick slash Mitzi's insecurities. Yeah. So when you're making a movie about inner turmoil in that way... It's not going to have a giant, uh, what's the C word? Not crescendo. Climax. Oh, sure, yeah. So the climax is him meeting his son. That's what you could call the climax of this movie. Oh, but for it's sure. Not, it's kind of anticlimactic at the same time because his son is so accepting, so all of his giant fears that would have been the climax if they had been real... Or unfounded. Yeah. And then the the next potential climax of the film is when they uh, get full dolled up together and go hiking up that uh, mountain. Oh, yeah. Which I don't remember the name of. It's like significant to us. King's Canyon or something like that? Yeah, King's Canyon. They, yeah. they climb Mount Rushmore, sure. <laughs> no, probably Grand Canyon, I think. I'm on the Wikipedia page, damn it. It's King's Canyon. <laughs> so am I. It's Mount Rushmore. Uh... So like it's it has a bunch of like mini climaxes in that yeah. regard, but it's like moments for those characters because meeting his son was Mitzi's moment and climbing that hill was Felicia's moment, and then I guess staying at the hotel is Bernadette's moment. Yeah, that that makes sense. That tracks. And I just like the going back just to that scene with Mitzi though. Like I just. It's kind of like the. It's fun that we had this movie immediately after Last Ride, where they both have those moments of like, "Oh, my kid cares about me." Like they have very right. similar moments, just totally different window dressing. But like, I, I liked that moment of the the kid going. So when we get there, will you have a boyfriend? Maybe. Oh, that'd be good. And just the look on his face, like, "Oh, I can be myself." Yeah. And acceptance it, like oh just acceptance is just such a great thing to see and it's not usually shown in films like a lot of times when it comes to like characters coming out it's all about the parents accepting the child and getting that acceptance um from their parent and to see the flip of that was actually kind of nice it's a little refreshing it's like a story i hadn't seen told before like oh you wanted your kids to accept you for who you are yeah because like there there's a thread of that in the movie the beginners but since the dad's dead the whole movie, you don't really ever fully get that mm. that gravity of it. Um, but since, you know, the kid's fucking, what, 10 years old, 8 years old? She said, his mom says, I haven't had a break for 8 years. So you'd assume 8, sure. He looks yeah. old for 8. He but. does, but <laughs> he's Australian. They grow him big. I would have guessed uh, <laughs> 12. <laughs> 
child. He's a child. It's the child, you know. Yeah. But he just seems like a good kid. And it's I like the that child. The child. <laughs> Not the child that eats fish eggs or whatever eggs those were in The Mandalorian. Apparently people got really mad about that. I'm like, shush, you're fine. <laughs> just buy your toys Wait, and shut what? up. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Mandalorian 2, season 2, apparently the child eats... Food? Babies. Like, oh, those are like fertilized eggs. And he's like, oh. Okay. Yeah, who cares? He ate a frog earlier. Yeah, who cares? It's fine. It's Star Wars. He's just there to sell you toys, guys. But even so, where does your caring about him not being a vegetarian start? It was really cute when he swallowed a frog in the first season. So now you're upset that he's eating younger frogs? Well, somebody think of the children. Yeah, the child did. Yeah, the child did. As food. I was just along that same line. Like... Okay, I didn't know that's what people were getting mad about. That's stupid. Good them are. Mmm. Mmm. People's selective anger. <sighs> New Star Wars fans, man. Yeah. They just bum me out. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next week when we talk Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, I wanted to touch on... Sure. I think if I had caught that the the kid was in existence earlier, the child, um, I might have caught... I'm thinking back to the movie now, but Mitzi's character has a lot of dread coming up to the movie. And I think with that... Trying to see, like, does my son accept me? Is this gonna work? Am I? Is he gonna see me as a joke or a, just something bad? Like, is is the kid gonna reject me? Like, that would be a heavy worry that could really overshadow this movie. And I think this is a movie of relief. Yeah, in, in, like uh, various reliefs. And I was reading a few reviews of this, and some people said that it was a little um, fantastical that there was so much positivity and so much relief, maybe a little bit wistful. And I was like, well, that's kind of the important part of this movie, I think, is that every problem, they could they could pivot from it. They could uh, recover from it. So then the new problems that are happening after the movie, whatever comes ahead, they got it, right? Like, I felt very uplifted at the end and very, like, relieved after a series. Like, what should have been, based off our last week's movie, like, should have been very stressful and dour and, like, this could be bad, this could be bad, you know? <laughs> clenching my gut the whole time no this is happy this is yeah. it turns out <laughs> it gets yeah. better i would equate it to i hope i'm not out of place with this statement about how a lot of the black community get tired of black problems always being associated with drugs and all the worst things that could be do like that's black drama yeah and it's and it could have been really easy for them to go into hate crimes and all of those things that people usually kind of depression porn use with gay stories of and how awful it can be to be trans or gay and this movie just steers away from that it does it dips a little bit with felicia it, when she's about to get assaulted but then she gets saved and when they graffiti the bus and when they graffiti the bus and it's like it's there but they don't wallow in it it's not it doesn't define them completely yeah like it's willing to acknowledge that things are very very impossibly rough for this community but it also kind of has like but you do have your community like yeah. you have your family and like when you have these people these problems can't drag you down as much and i love that like throughout the entire film like especially like when you get to the characters of uh like between felicia and bernadette like you have this like these people don't like each other but they still support each other yeah like, they're still in the show together. They're still, like, they're not trying to take shots at each other too needlessly. Felicia will do that from time to time. <laughs> but for the most part, like, you can tell, like, 
their family. Yeah. I was never too like I, I never asked myself this question during the movie of why are you still in the vehicle with them, apart from like survival and all that. But like there are some movies where they're these characters are together because the movie demands it. And you're like, well, why? Why would they even like this the person wouldn't even have shown up with them? But I get it. From even from their bantering, their bickering, their uh name calling and the things that they do to each other in the movie, you still knew. I still knew why they're on that bus together and why they end the way they do, you know? Like, why it's sad to part ways. Like, I get it. The movie communicates that really well. Oh, yeah. I think for me, like, when you finally really feel like the, oh, no, they all just love each other, is in the scene where uh, they're sitting around the campfire with Bob and Bernadette's like, hey, can can you fuck off? No way. <laughs> and just like Hugo Weaver was like, yep, oh, time for bed, isn't it, Felicia? Let's go to bed. And Felicia's like, what? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm also tired. <laughs> Did you guys want to go to bed? No, of course you don't. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then just the two of them just peeking through the window <laughs> like, with a little binoculars. <laughs> It's like, oh, no, they all really care about each other. <laughs> I'm like, if you can get through that scene, that is like grinning ear to ear. Like, I, I don't know who you are. Like, it's just it's just such a positive and just fun thing. And it's just also somewhat terrifying. Like, you just have to, like, I think by casting somebody like Terrence Stamp in Bernadette's role. And, like, Terrence Stamp, most movies you watch with him, he is a man. <laughs> 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 Am I wrong? No. <laughs> like, no, he's got no. Yeah, cold, I mean, death dealing eyes. Like, I mean, just... he still brings that uh, intensity to Bernadette. He does. <laughs> Except Bernadette now feels like the woman that could destroy you with her stockings. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you yeah. think you're going to get up on me? I'm going to choke you out. But my, my point is, like, to hire a, an actor like Terrence Stamp, and unfortunately, like if you look in like the the weeds of this thing, Terrence Stamp was like the third choice. Like they had a few people before him they wanted, and it just didn't work out. But I honestly, like I know people disagree with me. I think Terrence Stamp ended up being the best possible choice, specifically because of that totally against the grain character. So to see somebody like him play this woman who has to be so on guard. At all times, and that's that Terrence Stamp acting that you expect. Yeah. But behind there is just this vulnerability of just she just wants to be with somebody. She just wants a companion, and she has to like slowly debate: Can I let my guard down with this one person? And you get all of this from Terrence yeah. Stamp with a very, very little dialogue or explanation. You get a little bit yeah, of just it might be like, the first. She'll kind of talk with Hugo Weaving a little bit about how she's feeling, but that's about it. The rest of it's all just He's through performance. Far too old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see his yeah, wife? It, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's interesting you say that because uh I don't you don't see that when when it's when someone has a tough time in a movie opening up or they they're guarded, it's kind of said. And you're like, "Oh, that person's guarded, but they fell in love pretty dang quick." This movie. <laughs> and this it was like <laughs> Bernadette is a walking talking wall. Yeah. And it was it was an amazing performance. I know this is Hugo Weaving month, but she was uh, Terrence Stamp's performance was very distracting in how good it was just portraying oh, yeah. guardedness and apprehension and that's where like my main source of stress was coming from in this movie is just like do, I mean can you open up can you really should you like I don't know if you can I don't necessarily trust this Bob guy <laughs> right so I was on that journey just without without even any lines of dialogue 
it was great. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's like you said a moment ago, like, yeah, I know this is Hugo Weaving month, but we, we picked a movie here with uh, two of the best performances I've seen from Terrence Stamp and Guy Pierce. So Hugo Weaving is always great. And this is different than his normal role. Like this is not fucking Elrond. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although but, Elrond's hair was fabulous. Sure. <laughs> like so combed. Sure. <laughs> Um, but there is just something to be said about those other two guys. Like they, they really, really fucking showed up. And I think Terrence Stamp was up for uh, Golden Globe. I don't think he was up for an Academy no, Award. No, he was a Golden Globe. Um, but he was great. But I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little about Hugo Weaving. Like we, we've been kind of teetering on it here and there. Well, Hugo Weaving is Mitzi. Yep. Slash Tick. God, Tick. I, I actually did not think that was his name when he first called up Bernadette. Like when he got the job, he's like Bernadette. It's Tick, and I'm like. What a weird nickname. Yeah. Oh, no, that's just his name. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, what was his son's name in Last Ride? Um, Chuck. 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 Like, it's Australian names are a little... They're, they're not American. Yeah, they're not American. <laughs> how dare they? Uh, how dare they not be named John and Peter? <laughs> Don't they know we have a podcast? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But I, 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 we, we talked a little bit about how he has, like, he has secrets. He is the character with secrets. Like, everybody else is kind of an open book from what you can tell. Like, you have the story from Guy Pierce, where, like, it's like, oh, God, well, here's where the drama's coming in. He got molested as a, oh, no, he just basically tried to rip his nu- his uncle's nuts off yeah. in a, in a, he was in a, a bathtub drain. He was in on the con yeah. and knew how to get the upper hand. <laughs> yeah, talk about, yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> I was expecting it to go one way, as movies do. And nope, I, nope. I, I was Ugh. I was laughing with was Guy so Pierce relieved. the whole time. I oh was yeah, just like oh my god, thank you, uh. thank you for not going there. I didn't need that. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh no, oh no, we're we're going in this territory. Is this what this movie is going to be? The whole oh nope, it's it's <laughs> we've a relief. His mom the, the movie's was out a relief. Golfing. Yeah. His his nuts were stuck there for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's what you get. At that point, um, just just castrate him. Yeah, I mean, you might as fucking well. The guy's a fucking monster. Anyhow, um, but so what I mean is, like, the other characters are, for the most part, an open book. They'll talk about their lives. And then you have Mitzi, who's like, I'm married with a child. Like, that is not normal for my community. So, like, he has to play this role of, like, this is who I am. I love being Mitzi. I love being on stage. I love being a drag queen. Like, clearly he loves what he does. But at the same time, he also has this whole other life that he's about to crash into at full speed because that's where his next show is. So he like he has a really good, really good job here. Like Hugo Weaving bit his teeth in like a really, really meaty role, and I think he does a lot with it. It's just unfortunate that he has to go up against Terrence Stapp, who has that much bigger of a role. So he's very distracting. But not to take away from Hugo Weaving at all, because I actually think he did a phenomenal job. Out of everything we've watched this month, this might be my favorite performance of his. He was yeah. amazing throughout this thing. He, it, I mean, it would be my favorite performance as well, because it's not depressing like the last ride. <laughs> and he had a lot more to do in it than he did in uh, Mortal Engines. Oh, yeah, we watched Mortal Engines. Yeah. yeah. Kind he of was, forgot that movie happened. <laughs> he was not in that movie well, nearly as much as I thought he was going to be. And then, you know, he's behind a mask the entirety of V for Vendetta. Yeah. Right, right. So it, it's charting it. It's good that we ended here, like you said, because, yeah, you see him acting the hell out of being behind a mask, which, hard to do. And working with a nothing script, 
hard to do, really hard to do. And he managed to hit zero with that, which is like good. And then last ride, it's like, well, here's the depressing, the depressing version of awesome, right? And now we're here in the happy end of it. <laughs> and it's the true definition of roller coaster in terms of his performance. And he's been so fun to watch and everything. He really has. Uh, what haven't we hit? We, we've talked a lot about the actors. We haven't really talked anything about the costumes. That is what won an Academy Award out of this movie. The costumes are insane. They are insane. And it's where I have to take away my suspension of disbelief a little bit. And People talk about their suspension of disbelief in the drama of this movie. Sure. Mine is of costume changes. Those outfits are not easy to put on. That makeup takes time. Uh, and they are, like, doing this thing mid-song. Yeah. With I, just quick cuts. I'm like, do they stop the song for 20 minutes and then suddenly come back? More than 20 minutes. <laughs> I've done drag. Not well, but I've done drag. And it took me forever to get into my costume. <laughs> like, forever. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I get it. They're pros. So they're going to do it much faster than me. But still, come on. Not, not that fast. <laughs> but... Outside of the the share of it all, because that's what I think of when I think about constant uh, costume changes. Uh, they're amazing. They are. They're so detailed. There's a lot of plastic involved, <laughs> which I don't normally associate with drag headpieces. Uh, but it's just like that flip-flop dress is oh so my insane. God. The flip-flop the, dress that Hugo even wears. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the, the basically nothing that Guy Pierce is wearing with him. He's wearing he's wearing a speedo with flowers glued onto it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then the end dance sequence where the, it's one song, but they change costumes like yeah. five times. Is that the ABBA one where they finally get to do ABBA? Because no, that's Terrence the, that's the no end, on the bus. End. Oh, okay. That's no, there's no costume changes in that one. The one at the hotel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, the one that the the crowd was so like meh about, and I'm like. Bullshit. And I loved it. At the, the those costume changes like, and oh, montage were great. Yeah. Look, they're supposed to be in like big bloomers or something, but they're making the Sydney. Yeah, they're making the Opera House. The Opera House. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, oh, that's clever. <laughs> oh, they, uh. they put on quite a show. I'd go see that. <laughs> I'm totally going to see that show. Oh my god! If I could go see the show now, still with Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce, and Terrence Stamp, like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Reunion tour. Oh my god! It'd Return awesome. to the yeah. desert, <laughs> and just the the headpieces in this movie yeah. specifically are insane. I I think my favorite takeaway from the whole thing it has to be like who is Guy Pierce dressing up for? Like I get he's dressing up for himself. <laughs> like I can answer that question, but at the same yeah. time, like he has that huge billowy silver dress that he's just riding around on the top of the bus on. Like right. who are you wearing this for? Like just for me because I'm awesome. I mean, it's a combination <laughs> of. Cinema, yeah, for one, just this it's a with the fish out of waterness of it all, the stark, con- stark contrast. contrast between the put upness of a drag queen and the outback. You yeah. have something that's pretty artificial, you'd have to say, because it's very dolled up, a lot of plastic, like I said, manufactured look and then you have complete nature yeah which is is such a complete divide but they are beautiful together yeah yeah this like, movie is impeccably well shot yeah and like i even just like the sequence when 
Mitzi decides to go rehearse by herself doing a respect in her green dress. Oh, yeah. And just her on top of all those rocks doing her thing. Like, she looks totally out of place, but also in place at the exact same time. Yeah, she does a great job. There's a lot of good cinema in this movie when it comes to that. Yeah, it's one of those ones where, like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, ah, this is why people in film school are obsessed with it. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, it's not, like, in a bad way where I'm like, Oh, because it's edgy and different. It's like, oh, no, because there's quality filmmaking on display yeah. here. Like, very, end to end. very well shot. Yeah. That is a relief <laughs> to yeah. come across those where <laughs> you don't watch things that people are really into. Or like, I had, a, I, I still, I'm, over, I'm a recovering contrarian uh, where, like, when a lot of people like something, I don't really care about it. I'm, I'm going to ignore it for as long as possible and then love it later. Um, and so with this, it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's yeah. because it's a good movie. Cause, yeah, because it's fucking good. Um, but I think we've said pretty much all we can on this thing. Are you guys ready for quotes? Quote, 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 quotes? I have to look mine up. I, I usually like to write it down, but I didn't want to butcher it, and I'm sure it's going to be on here. Is it, It's probably going to be the one I was thinking of, too, huh? Is it the uh, Bernadette quote? Do we all have the Bernadette <laughs> quote? <laughs> yes. Is, is that the one quote from the movie? <laughs> that is the... the best one. <laughs> Because, I mean, okay, you got Terrence Stamps saying that line with such ferocity. I don't know. Like, can we share quotes? I mean, (laughs) is that allowed? Well, here's the one quote. It's the, now listen here, you mullet. Why don't you let your tampon (laughs) and blow your box apart? Because it's the only bang you're ever going to get, sweetheart. Holy shit, is that a good line? (laughs) Yeah, I had to pause the movie after that and take a breath. (laughs) It's one of those, like, like, damn. Like, that is one of the best movie insults ever. Like, it's such a written line. Like, who comes up with that on the top of their head? But I, I'm fine with it. And he just nailed it. Um, but I'll come up with a, a a backup if you just want to keep that one as yours, John. Uh, let's see. Because um, that is the line. I get it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll swoop in and take claim. Okay. Uh, like I'm sorry jerk. I read it then for you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I... I it was good. You got to read it, and I got to claim it. So <laughs> perfect. I uh, the other quote that I really liked that I, I had written down before, but now I don't have my notes in front of me. It, it's a Bernadette line, and it's when she's talking to Bob, and she basically says, uh, "Believe me, Bob. These days, gentlemen are an endangered species." And I, I liked that moment because Bob Bob is aware of his people. He is aware of his friends. He hopes for the best for them, but he kind of expects the worst. Where he's like, yeah, you know, like, I'm going to go over there and hang out, but you shouldn't come with. Like, he knows where they are, but he still respects these women and what they do. And he's a fan of what they do. He got to see a drag show. He thought it was a blast. They do a drag show here, and he's the only one clapping. Like, yeah, they're great. Um, So I like that whole, like... Like you talk about this movie being a relief, and I have to imagine Bob's character felt a just a swell of relief when Bernadette refers to him as a gentleman. Like it's a very good, sweet moment of like, I see you. You're okay. Like you're a good one. Mm-hmm. You you're good. And I just I really like that moment because you can kind of feel it from Bob's point of view. Yeah, I did. Okay, well I did like this moment in the movie early on. When Bernadette gets into the bus and she said, I'll join this conversation on the proviso that we stop bitching about people talking about wigs, dresses, bus sizes, penises, drugs, nightclubs, and bloody ABBA. And then Tick replies, doesn't give us much to talk about then, does it? 
I just love how much Bernadette hates ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is so cliche. Yeah. Double features. I have mine locked and loaded. It's it's a little on the nose, but at the same time, it would be such a good double feature. Mm. I'm just sort of fine with it. I'm going with the birdcage. You okay. haven't seen Tuang Fu, right? I've you? seen it once, but I saw it like a long time ago. I need to watch it again. But uh, yeah, this and Birdcage, I think, would just be an excellent double feature. Let's talk about performances alone. Holy shit. You go Terrence Stamp to Nathan Lane. Woo! Trying to think of another maybe road movie. The I've Road? One. You want to do The Road? No. <laughs> god, no. The road. Oh my god. Talk about depression porn. Oh. Oh. Uh, Fuck that. Mine is last right. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, and this is probably a very simple double feature, like a kind of a facile comparison, but like a uh, Little Miss Sunshine, a, a road movie with uh, that ends in a, da- in a, 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 f- a funky dance. As it were, um, but I, I haven't seen too many road movies apart from Last Ride, this one, and that one. <laughs> and um, yeah, I would put that together just as a, a very weird double feature. I don't think it'd be that weird. I think those actually complement each other rather well. Like very different ends of the spectrum, but like I, I think they they gel. It's another yeah. movie that has a lot of like quote unquote conflict, but it's really <laughs> not there. Right. Right. I want to do Tuong Fu, but that, again, is way too on the nose. So I'll go with Forces of Nature. Okay. Just because it's one of those movies that I watched and be like, I probably won't like this. Not that I wouldn't have liked this movie, but the example, the whole point is that uh, the central figure is a man who needs to go meet his future, and he's really uncertain about it or whatnot. And he has got a woman with her. With him, who's a train wreck. And you think in, during that movie that he's going to cheat on his wife-to-be with this train wreck of a woman. Uh, and he doesn't. And at the end of the movie, it's all about acceptance from the one he loves. And how she goes and redeems herself with the one she loves, her son. And da-da-da. And oh. I think, they would go, I think they'd go well together. I don't know. From the way you Maybe. just pitched it, I would totally believe you. Yeah. I haven't seen Forces of Nature. Because the trailer always annoyed me. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a whole bunch of that movie where you're like, well, this isn't very good. <laughs> but then they stick the landing. <laughs> I mean, so the, and, and it's so it's not as good as Priscilla because that movie's the movie's good throughout. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like I said, it's about a guy who's on a road trip and he's figuring his shit out. And at the end, it's all about being with the one you love. Whether or not that's your future wife or your son who you never really got to know but you definitely loved. I think that fits. That works really well. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do what we like to do at the end of every month here and do just a very kind of quick wrap up. Like what we learned about Hugo Weaving. I'm not sure how much I can actually say this month. Particularly because what I got from this month with Hugo Weaving is that Hugo Weaving is very fucking versatile. I don't think that his name being attached to a film is a like a golden ticket of quality necess- necessarily, um, but you know he's one of those guys who just—it's kind of like he went to the Jamie Lee school of like he can't quite phone in a performance, like he never seems bored. Like you can tell when he's 
in it and when he's not, but it's never bad. Like his version of Mortal Engines is happening is still better than most people in Mortal Engines. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't, I think he, his quality of acting and his caliber of acting is so good that even when he's, huh, he's still better than most out there. Like yeah. he's a very impressive guy, but did I end this month going like, well, if Hugo Weaving's in it, I'll see it. No, not really. But I still, I, I think I appreciate his, his, uh, his range a lot more because we really ran the gambit of like wildly different Higo weaving roles, which is what I got out of it. Yeah. Because honestly, when I thought about it more after, before this move that we did this, I had only seen him in V for Vendetta, uh, Lord of the Rings and the matrix really. Yeah. And none of those movies does he really go through a gambit of emotions. No, he's pretty one noted. I mean, he, He's still That's the character. Yeah, their, their characters yeah. are supposed to be stuck in this one mood, essentially. And he does an amazing job with that. But in the, the movies we've watched here, you actually get to see him explore more than one emotion. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat where all I've seen of him, his work is the genre work. And, and with this month in particular, I was able to figure out why people want him in those genre movies so desperately. Like you know, some of it's casting, and they they got him. But like, you want you want um. Wow, just completely brain went fucky fucky. Um, <laughs> Hugo Weaving, sorry. Uh, fucky, you fucky, can tell why. Hugo yeah, no, I was like Harry. Who's Harry? <laughs> Harry Houdini? <laughs> yeah. Harry who weaving? Uh, um, no. Yeah, but I from these movies, I could see why you want him in your movie. Like, why you want him as Red Skull and Captain America, why you want him as Agent Smith, why you want him as Elrond, because it's like, this guy has a range of versatility, and it was kind of like, this was the proof for why people get him in those movies, and like, the why, <laughs> I guess for lack of a better way to put it, the why of Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my feeling after this month. It did kind of leave me wanting more of Hugo Weaving, and not like in those mortal engines matrix those sorts of roles like i, I want to see him in a movie like knives out like right I, right like he plays off people so well and like he's got so much to like to give and to like like perform in these things i want to see him like in those sorts of roles like i want to see him be pushed a little bit farther because I, I think he he can do it i'm not saying that he hasn't done that before he's an incredibly acclaimed actor he's you know phenomenal and i, and I think i'll and I think I'll piggyback off of what you said earlier, where you were like, you know, if it's if his name is in it, you're not just going to run out and see it, like with some actors. I think for me, if it's a more independent film or something that's not of the mainstream and he's in it, I will. Because that's the yeah, promise that's of his range, right? Like, that's where I would be like, I got to see it because he's in it. Not necessarily, you know, Agent Smith Part 4, but if he's in another type of movie like Priscilla or if he's in another movie like A Last Ride, those things, like, I'll look for him in those. Yeah, I mean, I, he's probably too big for those, but... I want to see his range. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely like, uh, definitely more of a fan, but I, that's like, we can say at the end of every month. Cause that's essentially what we've done. <laughs> the more time we spoke, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, maybe not next, next month might not be uh, more of a fan. <laughs> so oh, no, we'll be really angry next month. <laughs> uh, I think that's a fair enough transition. I mean, we'll, we'll say goodbye to Hugo weaving. Goodbye. Weaving. It, it was a, it was a very fun weaved tale. Yeah. Thanks for weaving us a tale, Hugo. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So next month, uh-huh. if you don't uh-huh. remember, 
is that wasn't the fucking plan. And these are going to be movies that clearly had a plan, and that's not what they fucking made. <laughs> Very for much better like, or worse, we'll say. Yeah, for better or worse, I, I think given our stack, most likely for worse. Uh, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> it, it might be a little bit of a rough month. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. Uh, we're doing it to celebrate you know, 2020, not being what anyone fucking planned, the exception of Trump losing the election, that part. That part went as planned. Um, at least so far. <sighs> uh, <laughs> so we're going to start things off next week with the end all, be all, clearly what everyone wanted, the ending of Star Wars, because Star Wars is a thing that can end apparently. Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to try to find that whole script if I can of Colin Trevorrow. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to because I don't think the If you whole can, thing pass it there. my way. Um, I want to read a good version of the movie. I, I will look up many of the breakdowns of what that movie was going to be and then what Abrams and company turned it fucking into is what we'll talk about. There'll be a lot to dive into, and uh, I can't say I'm excited to watch this movie another time, but uh, I am willing. <laughs> I'm excited to have people listening to this shouting at the podcast. If I was a smoker. <sighs> I would have it in three packs next to me. <laughs> I know what parts are going to get me mad. At least I, I'm, I'm well aware walking in that it's like, oh, good, look, they did another fake-out death. Oh, look, another fake-out death. Oh, look, another fake-out death. Do you remember when Star Wars was known for fake-out deaths? No, me neither, you fucking assholes. Anyhow, it's fine. I'm going to be um, mad from frame one when the, when the words Palpatine lives shows up. That's where I got pissed <laughs> off for the rest of the movie. So I'm in, I'm in for a treat. <sighs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So we're going to get through that. And then our next three movies are in no specific order because we'll figure it out at the end of next week. Uh, Chewie is taking... The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. That was clearly the plan for that movie. A movie <laughs> that took oh, 30 years to make. <laughs> I don't even know how many rewrites exactly. A multiple lot. producers, multiple countries, multiple actors... <laughs> We're gonna make it. It's gonna fucking happen. It's gonna... Um, and then John, you picked one of my favorite movies ever. I'm so excited to watch it. <laughs> the Emperor's New Groove, which was originally supposed to be a very dramatic musical featuring all the music of Sting. <laughs> that, that's that's not what they made. <laughs> nope. Uh, mine. I, I'm. I was stuck between two, and I've made up my mind. Um. Now, if this was happening not right now, and I hadn't just done what I did for uh, Welcome to Your Doom, I would be doing Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes a Trip to Manhattan. Um, but I just watched all those movies in a week, and then I spent three hours having a conversation about them. I, I For the first time in my life, I'm a little Jasoned out. I don't think I can dive back into that pool right away. i got to give it some time. So I'm sorry it won't be Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, it will, however, be a, a totally different movie that I'm sure you both love a whole bunch. We're talking Suicide Squad. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Another one of those ones where like, I kind of hate it from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and I but, get that. It's like an editor's curse word for me. Like, oh, yeah, but well, I'm excited to hate on it some more. <laughs> I'll I'll try to find as much of what David Ayer has said of what his original cut was supposed to be. I've watched yeah, the yeah. trailer that he made uh, twice now just to try to get a total, just to get an idea of the tone because he says the trailer that came out for Comic Con 
before the movie was the tone of the film. I even just showed it to you before we recorded it, and it's vastly different than what came out. Um, far more serious, way more depressing. Uh, for better or worse, it would have been a different movie. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting, uh, and we'll get to that one at some point. So our movies are just you know too long, didn't read, or hit skip ahead 30 seconds on your podcast. We're doing The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, Suicide Squad, fucking Emperor's New Groove, and Star Wars <laughs> Episode Nine, Rise of Skywalker. And I guarantee you, with Star Wars being on there, Emperor's New Groove will not be my least favorite movie we watched this month because we still have fucking Rise of Skywalker. And I gotta say, just a little self-congratulation for this podcast. What a what what an eclectic month we're gonna be coming into and <laughs> we're gonna be giving this the listeners. I'm excited. Oh god, the double features next month are gonna be rough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm excited for next month, though. Uh, I'm not sure what the release schedule is going to be yet. We still haven't figured it out. You know, there's still Christmas in there. Um, obviously, you're all listening to this episode on Thanksgiving when it came out, because I know that's when everybody loves to listen to podcasts. Um, but we'll, we'll figure it all out. We'll get your four episodes. We're going to be good. Uh, let's do a very, very quick round of plugs, because it's taking long enough, and then we're going to say goodbye. Uh, for this show and every other show on the ATH Network, ATHpod.com. Uh, Brock is back at it with Damage Boost doing great stuff and uh that's everything for me yeah i don't have anything nothing from chewy john what you plugging demon days as always our actual play podcast that we do every week well for the holidays we're doing every other week just to give me a little bit of relief timeline wise for stuff and holidays and preparation and getting you know other dm sessions ready to go like you know we're spreading it out a little bit just to save some time but we'll be back at a full schedule in the new year sounds good all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, very fond farewell to Hugo Weaving. Bye.